Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Deeper Still, the women's ministry podcast of Christ Church of Oakbrook in Oakbrook, Illinois. My name is Sue Ann Camfield, and I have the awesome privilege of serving on staff at Christ Church and serving as the host of this podcast. I am so glad you are joining us on this journey where together we muster up the courage right smack in the middle of our sometimes chaotic and frenetic lives to go beyond the surface level and challenge ourselves, challenge one another to pull back the layers of life and dive deeper still into the life of faith that Jesus calls us to. Today we are beginning conversation about the book of James. Some say it's one of the most practical and challenging books we'll find in the entire Bible, but don't let that scare you because we are in this thing together. We are going to be encouraging you along the way, but we do hope you will join the conversation. And so whether you are listening as a small group or are using this for some personal reflection time, or maybe meeting with a friend over a cup of coffee, wherever you find yourself today, we are so glad that you chose to join us. In the studio with me this morning is my friend, a fellow ministry leader, a woman who is passionate about reading the scriptures and figuring out how to apply them to her own life. She is a mentor to many young women. She is a mom of three. She is a kind and encouraging soul. You will hear her voice many times over the course of these next several weeks, and I promise you, you will love her as much as I do. Her name is Chris Stevenson, and I am so glad she will be my partner today as we learn a little bit more about the book of James. Take a listen to our conversation. Well, Chris, it's so good to have you uh, back in the studio with uh, me and my friend. Thanks so much for being here. How are you today? I am so excited to be here. I, I'm kind of reeling from the fact that it was six months ago that we did this um, because it, in some ways it feels like forever. And then sitting here, I'm like, wait, we were just here. And I was just trying to figure out how to like not swallow too loud at a microphone. <laughs> And all of that. But um, yeah, I mean, we're just living the 2020 life. I, you know, <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> I'm still like kind of gobsmacked that I have things on my schedule now, though. Um, like we were talking about earlier, my, you know, I went from having a completely, completely empty calendar to, you know, oh gosh, we get to go to church in person and you know, I help out in Koinonia and small groups start tonight and Maggie is dancing and just things. I'm like, oh, I have to actually start looking at my calendar again. That's right. Life has started to move on in a really interesting way. <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready for it either. But... I'm not sure I am to be real honest. <laughs> I kind of liked my, my quiet six months in some respects, but here we are. I, I hear you. Here we are. I'm so with you. Um, so it's interesting. You said uh, just starting out, you can't believe we're back here, that it was six months ago that we were here. And for those uh, women who may be listening for the very first time today, uh, tell them them, uh, what you're talking about when you say that. You know, so as we all know now that what we didn't know back in March of last year when there was this talk of this crazy virus that we might have to uh, tuck into our houses for for a couple of weeks, 
we were trying to figure out the best way because we were in the middle for one of our larger women's ministry studies. The while we were in the mid- middle of our study of Ezra and Nehemiah, and when it started to look like this was going to maybe last beyond spring break, you came up with this genius idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, how can we still keep women engaged and and you know looking at the Word of God and encouraged? What about a podcast? And I was lucky enough to be invited along for a couple of those. And well, we were lucky enough to have you. And what's so funny is we thought, well, yeah, let's. We had no idea what we were doing. We <laughs> no said, let's idea. let's do a podcast. Why not? I had no idea there was a whole recording studio in the basement of our church. And uh, what I loved about that whole experience, you know, we pivoted so quickly. So we quickly. had no idea what yeah. we were getting into. Uh, like so many of us in March of of 2020, um, but as we sat here and as we talked, and as we got to go through the scripture together, uh, not only was it fun, so it fun, so oh my fun. god, too much fun we were having. But <laughs> we had so much fun, and not only was it fun just to watch you come alive, and and I learned so much from having these conversations. Uh, for uh, with you about not only the scripture but about the way we apply the scripture to our lives and i think for me that i learned something new about just what it means to dialogue with someone about our faith and about what we're learning and about what we're reading and how we internalize that and how we struggle with it and wrestle with it and it's one of the reasons we wanted to continue this podcast and to do this in this format because there's so much value in uh, what we had the privilege to do over those couple weeks. And I I want you to um, share a little bit more about why you maybe think uh, that is important, especially for those listening who may be tempted. If they're doing this on their own, that's completely fine, but they may need that little extra nudge to jump in community with someone else. Yeah, well, and you know, it's been a privilege to be part of small groups over the years, and I, I think most people who have been a part of a small group would agree that it's good to hear other people's voices, and and especially when we're wrestling with um, scripture or some concept, theological concept, or a personal problem, whatever it might be, it's good to be in, in community and dialoguing with other people. And I do love to sit myself down with a in the summer, a big iced latte and a couple of books surrounded me. And I do love to do it on my own. But what I've found is, like you said, in conversation, I verbally process. And I, I, you can bounce ideas off one another and somebody else brings a, a thought or a word from God that you just were like, oh, that's exactly what I needed to hear. Or I had no idea somebody else, you know, thinks that way about it. And it's funny because I'm so new to podcasts. Podcasts haven't been around for a while. But right around the time this is all happening, I started to listen to another podcast called She Reads Truth, mm. which goes along with some Bible studies I've been doing. And they had one of their guests was Jenny Allen. And those of you who might have been able to be a part of the If Gathering are mm. familiar with Jenny Allen. She's an on-fire woman for God, for sure. And in their conversation, they were talking about some kind of wrestling with some theological issues. And she said, you know what? We should never wrestle with theological issues alone. That needs to be done in community and in dialogue with our other brothers and sisters in Christ. And that just hit me. I thought, that's kind of what we're doing here. And Mm -hmm. it's not that it's, 
it's not that we're going to, if we think differently, we may or may not convince the other person of how we think, but it just, I don't know, I think it's part of that working out your faith. Yes. A little bit, you know? Yes. Well, and the things I learn from you in that dialogue and the things we learn from each other, I think is just, you can't, it's hard to replace that in, in another Definitely. way. And so I love that we are not called to do this life together alone right. and that um, we have the privilege of doing something like this that hopefully encourages others to engage in exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. So um, that is my hope and my prayer as uh, women are out there listening. So um, one of the things I always say, anytime I teach the Bible, in fact, people who are um, hear me teach the Bible a lot might be really tired of me saying this, although I said it, I heard a woman say it not long ago who's in one of my, um, has taken a few of my Bible studies before, and she said it, and I said, oh, you're learning. I, I say that all the time, and she was like, oh, you do? <laughs> so maybe I, maybe I don't. Uh, I'm not as good a teacher as I maybe sometimes think I am, or the stuff I say is not thinking it. No, in. a but really good anyway. teacher makes somebody else think it's their idea, oh, so there you go. <laughs> well, they, and the, you are a former teacher, so that's good. Anyway, so one of the things I think I say all the time as I teach the Bible is that engaging with Scripture is not just about information, right? The, the Bible is not meant to be studied primarily as a textbook. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't appreciate and need the people that do study as a textbook. And you and I kind of get a little Bible geekish and we get super excited about all of Just the, that's why that's why we love doing this, all of the tidbitty little information that makes um, things come alive. But but primarily, that's not why we enter the scripture. We enter the scripture because the scripture primarily is a love letter mm-hmm. from God to his people. It's written to, to people everywhere. It's written to you. It's written to me. It's written to generations and, and um, you know people on all different kinds of walks of life so that we would get to know him better that we would know God better, that we would understand more fully the story of love and grace and forgiveness, and that that story would impact our own story, and it eventually would impact the world around us so that we don't just walk around with people who have knowledge, right? Uh, We don't wanna just know about our faith, but we actually wanna be transformed from the inside out about what we read, about um, what we encounter, when we encounter scripture, uh, do you, is that true for you? Would you agree with that? Uh, definitely. It's a, I will confess, though, it's a danger for me because I seem to be a, a student. I like to learn. I like to, I mean, you can see my bag behind me, <laughs> piled full. You know, as soon as we're like, we're doing James, I'm on Amazon ordering, you know, commentaries and studies. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Chris, you're only, you're only doing a couple of these. You don't need to be <laughs> read that much about it. But so I, it's a real... Um, an important thing for me to hear because to me, I think the studying is the easy part and the letting your heart be softened and transformed mm-hmm. by it is the, is, can be the challenge. I, it's real easy for me, and so I'm hoping, not hoping, imagining for other people to, to do that deep dive and stay on the surface. Mm-hmm. But I think that's why I'm so grateful that you remind us about that mm-hmm. because that's all fine and good, but I'm, nobody's hiring me to teach you know, New Testament history right now, but the God of the universe is saying, hey, this is, these are my words to you. What's going to be different now? That's right. That's right. You know, and that would be a great conversation to have with someone else or, you know, if you're listening in a small group to just stop and ask, 
where where you tend to where does your needle tend to go? Do you tend to go towards the information and, and stick with that and say that's good? I did my study today, so I'm checking off the list. Um, or are you really letting the word of God mess with you and change who you yeah. are? And I, I think sometimes that's even like, you know, it's easy to write a check to something sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. We can give money to something, but hey, don't make me actually drive into the inner city and get, get mm-hmm. on the floor with a little kid yeah. and, and enter into his life because that's going to cost me something. I'm going to, that's going to, yep. that means a little more sacrifice. Yeah, yeah. that's a great parallel. Mm. Well, you just made me think of it. So thank you. <laughs> thank so you uh, for that. <laughs> so great conversation to have or great uh, food for thought. Um, so let's talk about James specifically, because that's why we're here. We're going we're gonna to get into this um, book of the Bible that hopefully is going to transform who we are. And, you know, I mentioned this in um, the introduction, but... Um, Obviously, James is a book of the Bible. It's a it's a book in the New Testament. It's actually interesting, fun fact. Uh, we like our little fun facts, and I will say that is one of the things that we're going to do in this podcast. Is um, we are going to give you the information because it's one of the reasons we call this deeper still is because um, understanding some of that context and getting some of those handles on. Uh, that deeper dive into scripture is transformative. And so we're going to push you in that way. Not only are we going to push you and how you apply it to your lives, but we're going to push you in being a better student of the word because we believe the word is living and active and can change who you are. So um, we're going to push you in that direction. Uh, but one of the the fun tidbits about James this is actually the very first piece of literature we have recorded in the entire New Testament. And this is, is one of those, again, as we come to our Bible, sometimes um, we think the Bible is arranged in chronological order. It's really easy to think that, um, but it's not. And this is one of those reminders that the Bible is not written in chronological order. And I'm not going to go into how it's actually arranged right now, but it's arranged and grouped in different ways. It's really easy to Google chronological order of the Bible. And you can see exactly Mm -hmm. if you want to look at the New Testament and see how the New Testament actually plays out in chronological order. But, But the book of James is actually the earliest recorded piece of literature that we have um, in the New Testament, even though it appears a little bit later uh, in our New Testament, but it's actually the first one. And so uh, the book of James was written, uh, that means it was written within about uh, 20 years Ish, uh, about 20 years of the resurrection of Jesus. And so if that uh, helps you think about that, I've been married for about 20, I don't know, three years maybe. And so if you think a little bit about what period of time that was for me, I think, oh, this is like if I was married for this time and now I want to write a letter back to my kids and tell them what mm-hmm. I le- have learned about my marriage in the last 20 years, right? That's, that's kind of maybe where we're at with this. And James has written to this group of people in the early church. They're primarily Jewish believers. Believers. They are scattered um, in many different geographic areas due to some major persecution that happened pretty quickly in the early church. And we're going to talk about that next week. So if I just said all that and then you kind of are like, you know, if you're listening and think I have no idea what you're talking about, we're going to go back to that next week. But I just want to give you a little bit of context. You can read the first couple chapters of the book of Acts if you want to get ahead uh, for that context. But Oh, and uh, I just want to give a ahead. plug for yeah. the Book of Acts because I I love, 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 love the Book of Acts. And it was so fun this week in preparing this to like 
jump back into the some of the stories. I'm like, oh, one of the earliest well studies I did when I started doing women's Bible studies at church was a study on the book of Acts. And, you know, it, don't don't limit yourself to the first couple chapters <laughs> is all I would say. It's a it's just a, such an, a beautiful read. It reads like a, I mean, it reads like a story because mm-hmm. it, it is a history of the early church. Mm-hmm. And it picks up literally, literally right when Jesus has ascended into heaven and then the church is off and running. And it's it's so fun. So anyhow, that's yeah, just, I love it. Well, I, I agree. I, I'll let you plug that all day long. <laughs> I love that. Yes. Um, we'll have to maybe do that as maybe a next study or do it soon. So, It'll take us a long time to get yeah. through. We're going to spend a long time. We did time a whole and, year on it, I'm sure. Oh, I think I maybe good. taught a piece of you that at did. some point back in my volunteer yeah. Days. So anyway, we're not going to get into a bunch of that context today. So prepare yourself next week for all of that good stuff. But I want to spend a little bit more time talking about where the book fits uh, in the overarching narrative of Scripture, because that's really important anytime we come to the Bible is to understand where we're at, right? Where where are we on the general story of Scripture? And we're going to talk about who James is. Um, so let's go back a minute to where it fits in the overarching um, story of Scripture. And this is one of those other things I say a lot. You know, anytime we approach the Bible, um, we have to remember we're never just reading one piece of Scripture, one verse, one book, one passage. It's always part of this bigger story that God has been weaving together since the beginning of time, from Genesis to Revelation. It all fits together. And so James happens in this piece of the story when everything that's happened in the life of Jesus that we read in the Gospels, so they've already taken place. Um, Jesus, obviously, he's been born. We've sung Silent Night. He's lived his ministry out. He has died. He's been resurrected. Uh, The ascension that you just happened happens in the, or that you just mentioned, happens in the book of Acts. Jesus has um, shown himself and revealed himself to many people, um, and now his disciples have been changed by that. And we're going to talk specifically about how James has been uh, changed by that. But um, his disciples now all of a sudden saw this this rabbi that they had been following literally raised from the dead. And so if that doesn't change who you are when you see your friend um, die on a cross and then literally see him walking around the earth in a new body, like that should change a little bit about who you are. (laughs) And so his disciples now are going out. They are spreading that news. They are sharing it. Um, with people. They are letting them know the Messiah has come. They're telling people to repent and believe. Um, And we see James, James, who is the brother of Jesus. uh, And again, we're going to take a deep dive into that in a few minutes, but he, uh, we see him become this amazing leader of the church. And we see as he is writing this letter, the people are weary, they're discouraged, they're scattered, they're um, being persecuted, they're getting on each other's nerves a little bit, right? Because they've been trying to figure out this life together for a little while. And so James writes them a letter. (laughs) He writes them a letter to what would have been um, small house churches. And um, the letter would have been carried from church to church. It would have been read out loud. And, and he says, hey, church, <laughs> hey, hey, you people, um, hey, you people who have been quarantined, um, who have been going through a worldwide health pandemic, who have been dealing with issues of racial, racial injustice, who have uh, a presidential 
crazy presidential election coming up in 2020, right? Like if he was speaking to us today, he'd be saying, hey, you Church of Jesus Christ, I know it's hard. I know it's hard, but no matter how hard it gets, here's what we have to remember. We have to live a life that reflects the faith that we profess because God's spirit, it actually lives inside of us, right? People are looking to us um, as people who have been marked by something, who someone, something that has changed who we are, right? So when people look at you, when they um, watch how you parent your children, when they see how you talk to you know the cashier at Costco when Costco is slammed with you know 3000 people trying to get their toilet paper and when they read your comments on your social media page and when they see how you spend your money and they see how you invest your time and they see how you react to hard things when they watch the rhythms and the patterns of your life this is what James is saying to this group of people do they actually see that you are a person that has been marked by the creator of the universe? Is there actually something different about the way you move through life because you have encountered the grace and the forgiveness and the peace of the resurrected Christ? Because if not, James says, right? He tells the church then and he tells us now, if not, if there is not some evidence, some evidence that you are a follower of Jesus in this world that people can actually see you might not be doing quite as good as you think you are. And so James is this book that's about this relationship between our faith, right? Our faith and how we actually live that out. And Chris, you said something as we were um, preparing for today, you know, that James is this book that's known for being so practical. It's challenging, it's practical, it's living out your faith. And there have been times um, throughout history where people have, um, even today, that people have interpreted that as um, a works-based faith, meaning uh, you can earn your way into heaven by doing all this really great stuff. Isn't that the message of James? And what's interesting is that James almost didn't even make it into the canon of Scripture when you know, the powers that be were deciding what books to go in the Bible because they thought that James was actually contradicting the words of the Apostle Paul when Paul says something like uh, in the book of Ephesians, for it is by grace you have been faith, saved through faith. It's not from yourselves. It's a gift from God. It's not by works. No one can boast. And we hear this all the time in our life of faith, right? There is nothing you can do to earn your salvation. We say it over and over again. And then we have James saying, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but no deeds? And for some people, this is a really hard thing to get their minds wrapped around these two concepts. Is it one or the other? Is it faith or is it deeds? Which is it? And uh, theologians throughout time have struggled with um, asking that question about the book of James. But as we were preparing for this, you said some really good things about why you think that's actually not an issue, at least for you. And I agree with you. So I, I want to hear your yeah, words. Yeah, and I will definitely clarify, at least for me, I am, I am the opposite of a theologian <laughs> from days of yore. Um, but I will confess to wrestling at least, or sometimes choosing not to wrestle because it bothers me too much with many theological issues. But this is one that just, I, I, I truly don't struggle with this one. 
And um, and it's interesting because, like you said, when you're reading a lot of the commentaries and other studies, there's this tendency to kind of pit the theology, or some people even say the lack thereof, the theology of James against the theology of Paul. And I just don't see it that way because mm. to me, it's both things are so true. It's so clear to me that my sin-sick soul cannot work its way towards salvation. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I can, I can't get out of bed in the morning without something, you know, a thought, a something sending me the wrong direction. So I can't. There's just no way. So mm-hmm. that, of course, of course, I am saved by grace. But then the flip side of it is, I'm like, but then of course, if I'm saved by grace isn't that aren't I not going to look different because of that because something so radical is going to change you and it may not change you as drastically as a you know Saul on the road to Tarsus becoming Paul you know the persecutor to the you know the greatest Christian missionary of all time but gosh darn it I better look a little bit different to the world around me if I have been saved by such an amazing grace. So I just, yeah, I don't have a, I don't have a problem with it. And I think if you like even look at James, James isn't ever really making those claims either. He's very quick to tell us, you know, not to, to judge, you know, because that's one of the dangers of people who are very works-based is to be like, ooh, you didn't get your checklist done. Um so I don't think James embraces that either. And as we're going to talk more about his story, he so clearly experienced that radical grace-filled salvation mm. that he can't help but look different and ask other people to look different too. That's right. And that's what brings, because our looking different, I think is part of what brings glory to God. Because mm-hmm. if we're just going on in the same old way, well, that's all fine and good. You believe Jesus in your heart, but let's, right. let's see what you're going to do with that. Right. And when we don't, right, when people don't see, when they know we're followers of Christ and they don't see evidence of it in our lives, you know, they're like, really? Is this is this mm-hmm. thing that you profess? Is that really a thing? Yeah. Uh, is it real? Why does Jesus make a difference in your life? And so, you know, one of the things that Christians get such a bad rap about is being hypocrites, right? And I think this, everything you just said is so true as it plays into that. So not only are we thinking about um, the evidence of our faith, but what witness we have to the people around us that we're different. Because if we don't, if they don't see that, we actually are just diminishing the very work that Jesus came to do. Absolutely. Well, and I think especially as 21st century evangelical Christians, we get... I'm going to say caught up, and that isn't quite what I mean, but caught up in kind of personal salvation. Mm -hmm. And obviously, personal salvation is huge. But we were always intended for what has happened to us because of a relationship with Jesus Christ to make a difference in the world around us. That's right. Plain and simple. And that's going to come out in our actions, in our words. And that's what James is all about. That's right. And we're going to keep coming back to that. That's going to be a theme throughout the whole book of James. So I'm so glad we're spending some time talking about this. You know, it's also um, one of the reasons to kick off this whole podcast series. I just had Dan Meyer, uh, our senior pastor uh, of Christ Church, sitting exactly where you're sitting, um, doing an interview uh, with him. Uh, My hands were sweating way more when he was sitting in the chair. You're way easier. I wish there was a way to tell people to listen to this first so their expectations aren't so high. (laughs) 
no I was just thinking gosh I was talking to him like my mouth was dry my hands are sweating I was like a little nauseous I'm like okay but he'll be thrilled to know he listened to that response I know know. hopefully he's not listening to this one Um, but one of the reasons we had a conversation and if you haven't listened to it I would encourage you go back and listen to that because it's a conversation about influence and it's all about um, uh, recognizing that you have influence in this world and I say this then and I will say it now and I will say it again I believe that women have unique influence in this in this world, in our spheres of influence. And it's not not better than anyone else's, uh, I'm not doing a gender kind of uh, war, I don't mean it like that, but I see um, how we as women move through life in our homes, in our kids' schools, as single women, as women who take care of elderly parents, as women who uh, serve in our churches and our communities and just all the different ways that we have influence and we have an opportunity as we live out our faith, as people see evidence of this. You know, I one of the things, um, you know, I've always tried to do in my kids' school, for example, anytime I talk to a teacher, anytime I talk to a coach, anytime um, I do anything, I'm not saying to them, hey, I'm a believer, look at me. But I hope that they notice yeah. in the way that I talk to them and maybe as another parent comes at and screams at a coach because their kid didn't have playing time or conflict or whatever it may be, I hope that my approach to them, that's, that they look back, right? Or maybe they find out I'm a follower of Jesus at some point and say, oh, that's that why. Sense. And I'm yeah. not saying I do it perfectly or I, you know, I don't screw it up and I don't have to go back and apologize to a lot of people. But I think that should always be in the back of our mind as women, especially because we carry this beautiful, wonderful influence. Yeah. And and we can't underestimate how people experience us because of that. Oh, absolutely. And I think, I mean, you just nailed it on the head. I think that we, I sure hope that somebody may not know in the moment because I'm most likely not going to walk up and be like, hi there, my name is Chris Stevenson. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. What can I do for you today? But I hope that if they were to find that out from somebody else, or if it did come up in conversation, there wouldn't be this like disconnect, like, wait, what? Yes. I, that doesn't fit with You want what it to I, be consistent, right? Exactly. You want your behavior to be consistent. I'm big on a consistent yes. lifestyle. And again, not because we do it well. Oh, uh, gosh, no. no. Gosh, no. Oh, my gosh. Um, but it should be, again, why we need the transforming Absolutely. grace of, of books like James right. that remind us, kind of get yeah. us back. Because we're going to talk about a lot of things that are going to remind us over these next several weeks about, woo. Oh, he's not going to uh, let us off the hook, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's not going to be easy. Uh, So let's talk a little bit about the person of James, because I think um, to study the book of James, not only do we have to understand where it fits in the narrative of Scripture and this, you know, robust letter in the the early church and and what James was calling people to, but we need to know the story of James as the person of James, because I think anytime we're we're listening to someone, reading someone, uh, you know, seeing someone. I don't know about you, but I, in the back of my mind, I'm like, hmm, wonder what their story well, is. You right? Skip to like, the bio. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> what's what's making them say what? What's making yeah. them say what they say? What is the experience they've had that's making them come out this way? And and James has this amazing story of transformation mm-hmm. that points to Jesus so beautifully. And uh, it's not because we know a ton of details about it, but it's very, very clear. And um, I want to talk a little bit more about this because I want us to understand that. And uh, Clarissa, I'm going to kick this to you in just a minute, but 
I want um, one thing I want to say is that you know James was a very common name in um, this time in history, and so in the Bible we actually see a lot of people carrying the name of James, and I think sometimes. Uh, and I confess this is true of me. Sometimes we see a name in scripture and because we see it once, we just think everybody is that same person, right? We see the name John. And so everybody named John, we think is this John or someone in the Old Testament, we see Joseph and we think, oh, everybody in the Old Testament with Joseph is the Joseph. And so I don't want us to do that with James because it's really important that we understand who this James is. So we see lots of different names, um, James named in the New Testament. We see James, the father of Judas, who was one of the 12 disciples we see uh, James, the son of Alphaeus, um, who was also the brother of Matthew, one of the disciples. We see someone called James the Younger, who is mentioned in the book of Mark. We see James, the brother of the apostle John, who are the sons of Zebedee. And um, they're always mentioned together, uh, James and John, James and John. Sons of and thunder. So, sons of thunder. That's right. That's, those are their nicknames. And so um, we see that. And so I, but but who this James is, who is writing this book, and especially when we see the arc of his story that we're going to talk about next week, who he ends up being in the early church, it's really important that we understand where he came from. So Chris, tell us a little bit more about who this particular James is and why it's important to the story. Well, he, and again, what we know from scripture is limited, but there's a lot of inferences I think you can draw from it. And, um, this this James, nearly all scholars agree after kind of wrestling a deep dive, this is James, the to be clear, the half-brother of Jesus, because Jesus, of course, was not a, not a human father, but <laughs> impregnated Mary, our dear Mary. We're just going to let that one go. Y'all know how that, how that works. But so James, but, but Jesus was the first son born to Mary. And to her husband Joseph, um, you know, God comes to Earth, Emmanuel, God with us, true miracle. Sometime after that, and we don't know how long because this is not one of those neat little wrapped up in a bow timelines. It would seem that Mary and Joseph had other children, which would have been extraordinarily common. Um, you know, at that time, your children are your legacy. They're your social security plan. They're your nursing home they're your you know they're your pride and joy and we are able to know from a couple specific scripture verses and i think that's that is important to know here that this is we're not pulling this out of thin air and some you know weedy historical references we know from scripture that jesus had at least four brothers and you know some scholars have said well you know infant mortality right was significant Mm -hmm. then so there might have been other brothers and sisters that were lost in you know infancy or early childhood but we know that um jesus had four brothers and they are in fact named um in a couple different spots in scripture one of the first places you see their their names given is in matthew 13 when Jesus is returning um, to his his hometown area, and the people say, "Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas?" Well, that sure sounds like we're finding out who's in his family. And then, aren't all his sisters with us? Is in that same passage. And so he's we've got him set into this family context. 
of younger brothers and sisters, you know, who knows, were they with him? I was thinking about this. I'm like, you know, when Mary and Joseph like took the trek to Jerusalem, did they take all their kids? <laughs> like, were these little brothers and sisters, you know, straggling along? And when Jesus stayed back in the temple, it was because Mary was so busy corralling <laughs> her toddlers that she was like, ah, shoot, did somebody see Jesus somewhere? <laughs> you, know? you know, some of you have been there where you've yes. left a kid at a park. <laughs> um, so it's just like, and that's where our imagination can kind of come alive. And and I actually had texted Sue Ann about this, and I wrestled with this a little bit because there are some um, some studies that really kind of get your imagination fired up about what would have life been like as the younger brother of Jesus. Um, those of you who have done Beth Moore, and I confess to not having done Beth Moore, but I ordered her book for this one, and I see now why you guys like it so much, <laughs> those of you who are Beth Moore fans. But she does a pretty, she goes pretty deep in like kind of imagining what is it like to be the half brother of the most holy son of the most high, and how that might have been rough. Mm-hmm. And, um, but he grew up, he grew up in that household. They grew up in, you know, as far as we can tell until Jesus started his ministry. He apprenticed with his dad. So he he lived with these people. It's not like he was plucked out of his family when he turned 12 years old and went off to boarding school or, you know, seminary or something. He lived with them and influenced them. And yet, and yet, when he's in his ministry, his brothers aren't there among his disciples. Mm-mm. What do you think about that, Swan? But they weren't there. I mean, right? Well, and I, I was thinking about this, actually, as I was doing some study and listening to some different people, you know, there's a lot of tongue-in-cheek about this, and my favorite was from a pastor named Matt Chandler. I was watching uh, something he did on James, and he said, why, why didn't the brothers of Jesus believe in Jesus? Why didn't the siblings? And he said, mainly because when your half-brother goes around claiming their deity, you don't believe them. <laughs> I know, and it does sound kind of lighthearted, but clearly right. something di- there wasn't, you know. And and you know, people have said, well, Jesus didn't reveal himself because even when Mary calls at him in the wedding of Cana to turn the water into wine, he's like, "Woman, it's not my time yet." Right. There, in fairness to the brothers, <laughs> Jesus may not have been trotting around going, but ma- but I also think like, but Mary knew, mm, and Joseph right. knew, right. Like, what do you do with that? Like, so you can't, your imagination, you can kind of sit with this and go, huh. Yeah, and think about your own family dynamics and what that would be like. Mm -hmm. Not to mention, and again, we don't want to do too much ad-libbing here, but, you know, he's kind of the perfect brother. And so (laughs) So Mary is (laughs) Mary is treasuring up all these things Mm -hmm. in her heart. And, you know, I think back to the Old Testament story of Joseph and how Joseph was his father's favorite and and the resentment that the brothers had because of that. They ended up throwing him in a pit, you know? And so so that's a real thing. And so again, we don't know a lot about it, but it's interesting to kind of think a little bit about why. It's also just really hard. You think about in our own lives. Um, you know, my husband and I are both, uh, we both preach. And when I hear my husband preach, like I know all the stuff, right? When I'm hearing him <laughs> and he does this, he knows yeah. my stuff too. And so I don't listen to him and I'm not saying I don't learn from him. I don't respect what he has to say and vice versa when, when I preach, but it's much easier to kind of tune out that person yeah. that you live with um, and not say, wow, aren't they? aren't they amazing yeah. <laughs> or didn't that wasn't that wise and you're like really i wake up to you every day mm. yeah. and so i do think there's some probably i think there's more than that you know sure. but um 
you know, it's God's plan, obviously, that this happened too, because we're going to see the transformation yeah. pieces. And so I'm not trying to downplay any of that, but I do think it's really interesting um, some of those dynamics that uh, would have been at play. And, you know, there's another um, story in Scripture. Well, one of the stories is uh, in the Gospels when Jesus comes to town and, you know, he's been out teaching and preaching and he comes back home. And it's the people that know him, mm-hmm. right, that don't believe him and don't receive him. And in fact, uh, and I don't have the Scripture right in front of me, it's on my notes somewhere, but uh in the town, no miracles are done because people had such little faith. They yeah. didn't believe. It was his hometown, yeah. right? And and his his family is counted in that mix. And that's when Jesus says, you know, a prophet has no honor. Right. Um, and so there is something to all of that. Right. Well, and then again, and it's interesting to me that we kind of preface this by saying we don't know a whole lot about James, but the bits and pieces that we have are so laden with um with emotion, I think, actually, that, you know, you get a little bit later on and um, this, it's a little, I had a little bit hard telling time, hard time telling if these were parallel passages that were in the different gospels, but it comes up a couple times where Mary and the brothers went to speak with Jesus mm-hmm. and the people that he was speaking to are like, hey, your mom and your brothers are here. <laughs> yes. And he's like, um, you know what? Who you know? Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? That had I. That had to hurt. Mm. You know, especially for Mary. <sighs> Imagine, and I, I actually have that here. I'll read you the scripture. Yeah. It says, um, "While Jesus was still speaking to the crowd, his mother. This is Matthew twelve. His mother and brothers stood outside, wanting to speak to him. And someone told Jesus, "Your mother and brothers are standing outside." And he replied to them, to reply to him, "Who is my mother? And who are my brothers?" Pointing to his disciples, he said, "Here are my mother and my brothers. Basically, the disciples are my family. You are you are my people. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother." And so, the beautiful thing about this is, right? Jesus is pointing to this priesthood of all believers, and yes. that's a that's a big Bible term. Um, but it, this fact that we um, we are the family of God, all of us, right? right. Which because is of Christ. Thank work. you, Jesus, for that right. for the rest of us. But can you imagine Mary hearing, especially? Oh, you're not my mother. Who these people are not my mother, my brothers. Yeah. Out in front of other people. Yeah, I might add. So that probably didn't help the family no. relationship with his brothers. You know, the other thing I was thinking about, not to belabor this point, but Jesus was saying hard things to people. Jesus For was sure. he was turning people's paradigms upside down. He was not. Um, he was not always saying what people wanted to hear. So imagine today, think of some of our climates today in our country. Um, riots, politics, race, um, immigration, I don't know. Imagine that your child, your sibling, your best friend is the one out there in the public square saying all the things yeah. that maybe even you agree with, but you're like, oh, that is right. You're stirring uh-huh. the pot. What you, you just did that little motion. And there is like this this part of, I, I think, I would be like dying inside, like just sit down, just shut up, just don't be oh, that person. Yeah, I, I'm, it would seem an Enneagram nine, and <laughs> I would have, like, I want I want to smooth things over. Yeah. I don't, no, no, we don't need to call a lot of chat, everybody get along, and Jesus was not, a, in that sense, in that surface level sense, was not, yeah, he, he wasn't an everybody get along kind of guy, he was pushing people again for his kingdom purposes, but it took a while for uh, James and the rest of the family to 
get on board. Yeah. But listen to what happened. This <laughs> is like, I'm like, if I was preaching a sermon right now, this is where like you, you get the whole room to be quiet. And you're like, but then just wait. This is the part in the movie where it's like, shush, shush of the crowd. Because we get um, in Acts chapter 1, and we see in Acts chapter 1, uh, verse 14, everything changes. Everything. Everything changes. And we see, uh, like we already talked about, Jesus, he's been resurrected from the dead. He's been walking around on earth for 40 days in his resurrected body. And now he has ascended into heaven. And we see the apostles saw all this. And then the apostles go back um, to the Mount of Olives. Olives, <laughs> And um, it says, when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present, now listen to this, those present were Peter, John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. So remember all those James, Jameses that we said are not the James we're talking about, but they're all there with the disciples. Now listen to this. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. brothers. And his brothers. Why, why were these brothers, why was James this guy who did not believe and for the record, in this room? I, don't, I was thinking about this too. I don't think he was at the cross mm. because why else would Jesus have had that conversation with John and Mary, woman, here is your son, son, here is right. your mother. So we're talking a month and a half before their brother is hung to death as a criminal on a cross and they're not there. And then they are in the room at Pentecost receiving the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I mean, talk about right a flip. Yes. And one of the commentaries I read said, you know, was it weird for them to even mm. to be in that room? Like, again, we tend to bring our humanity to it and think, oh, you know how awkward. Like, if you, it's like would be like if you switched if you were really strong in favor of one political party and switched political parties and like showed up at their you know, inauguration yeah. celebration and be like, I don't really belong here, but yeah. I'm with your guy now. Yeah. Like, was it weird for them? But, but it, the world changed. But the world changed. The, the world changed. And I'm going to read another piece of scripture from First First Corinthians chapter 15. This is the words of the apostle Paul. And he says, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first most importance. He's, he's um, writing a letter to another church. But he says that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, uh, it was Peter, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are all still living. Then he appeared by name to James. to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me. And I think, you know, we can speculate all we want, but when you encounter the risen Christ, yeah. right? I mean, they did it literally, and we right. don't know what happened in this exchange between James and Jesus. We don't have any record of it. We don't know. No what happened when it happened exactly other than to know it was in this short little time period but what a beautiful reminder to go back to this idea of transformation mm -hmm. right the scripture is not just about information they had all the information about jesus all the information i mean what we're going to talk about next week about the the jewish um culture that james the things he knew the information he had that pointed to jesus and he wasn't changed by that he was changed by yeah. an encounter with the living Christ. Yep.
and that that's how life goes. Yeah. I I just and I just I love when the Bible gets personal like this too. Mm. Um you know, and we know it it says the other brothers were there, but like James is the one that's named right here. Mm. And you just think, gosh, like what like you said, it's kind of blows the mind to think what that encounter would have been like. Mm. But like at the end of the day, that's that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about, you know, your brother for however old he, you know, mm. 25, 30 years, who's not even at your your crucifixion, at your, you know, your death. He's not one of the loved ones there. He doesn't believe in you, but he's changed. Yeah. He's changed. He's going to become a church leader. He's going to be martyred mm. for for making the claim of his brother Jesus as the risen son of God. Yes. That's, you know, and I think it's interesting because when we get through James, James isn't aside, uh, isn't shy to throw in other examples of people's lives who've been transformed. Yes. You know, and one that he uses is Rahab. Mm. You know. One of my favorite stories. One of my favorite stories. I'm like, who would think? Go look that one up. You don't know who Rahab know? is. Go look that one up. Who would think? But, um, and and I just think that's, that's, at the end of the day, although it may not seem like it on the surface, I think that's what the book of James is about. That's mm. why we're studying, even if it's not overtly, I don't know if, I don't think James ever uses the word transformation in, mm. in right. his letter, but he's talking about what it looks to be changed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what did it look like for him? You know, we, we see the little inferences dropped here and there. We know what it looked like for people like Paul, who spent time with James. We'll talk about that later too. But then what does it look like for you? Yes. What does it look like for me? You know, a fifty something woman in the western suburbs who has chosen to cast my lot in with this rabbi mm-hmm. who walked on earth two thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. What how do I look different because I've done that? Um and and do I? And I think those are, you know, when we come back to that conversation about um being in community, we can ask ourselves those questions internally, but I think those are such good things to talk about with friends yes. and to challenge each other about. But yes. Yeah, because we may think we're doing really good on our journey of transformation. Yeah. And it turns out, you know, sometimes our friends, our good friends, our family uh, may see some things in us if we have the courage to ask. Yeah. Um, that say, you know what, you're not, you're maybe not as transformed as you think you are in this area. And James is going to bring up a lot of those things yeah. already for me. Like, oh, I thought I was doing pretty good here and mm-hmm. well, not so much. Yeah. You know, Chris, the other thing I'm thinking about, and we're going to wrap this up here in just a few minutes, but um, it also gives us hope oh. because um, whether you know someone or you are listening maybe today as someone who is far from God, who maybe is a skeptic like James, who um, maybe has not uh, believed, um, or like I said, you love someone like that. You just it, we need the hope and the encouragement to say no one is too far beyond the reach of of God. That as you said, He's so personal, and He sees us and He knows us, and that process of transformation. Um, no one is beyond that. That is the word. That is the gift of God in our life. That is Absolutely. the grace of God in our lives. That He alone transforms us, and then He can transform anybody. And like you said, we see that over and over again yeah. through Scripture. That is definitely a theme in Scripture. I think. In fact, when I just thinking at least of the stories that stick with me, 
or the accounts uh, that stick with me, there are far more that are like that, Mm -hmm. that are those stories, you know, amazing grace I once was lost, but now I'm found. I mean, it's because the reality is, even if you don't think you're lost, Mm -hmm. if you don't have Jesus, you're lost. Mm. Because I think that's the other, that's the other hole we can fall into is, like you said, I'm like, "Eh, I'm pretty good. Yeah. Doing a pretty good job. Right. But guess what? Unless you've encountered the living Christ. Yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah, it's a good thing to lean into yeah. for sure. And this also gives us hope today as we're sitting in, again, this crazy, crazy 2020. Jesus didn't just come to redeem the individual. He came to redeem the story. He came to redeem the institutions in the the structure um, that he turned upside down. Yeah to make a new story and I think that's just another thing when you just uh, I'm just sitting here thinking we can hold on to that that all this other stuff that's happening that um, God's God's got a story of redemption um, for that too I don't know when or when <laughs> when we'll see it it feels like we're never gonna see it um, maybe the side of heaven I don't know but I'm gonna I'm gonna believe I'm gonna choose to believe this side of heaven and actually sooner than later we're gonna see some good and redemptive transformative things yeah. in our culture too so if you need to hear that word today hold on to that that our God we do uh, serve a God of hope today well and he gives us a part in it mm-hmm. and that's again coming back to James that's that's what James is going to tell us about is how do we play a part in making this world around us this world that God loves yes for God's love of the world that he sent his only begotten son into the world for all of us yes and and this is our part in in playing that mm-hmm. and and changing it and again whether this you know what part of how fully transformed and redeemed it becomes the side of heaven is currently up for debate it would yeah. seem but we are not meant to sit here and wallow in that but to be hopeful mm-hmm. and to share that hope with others through our actions yes yes Well, I hope that's given you all uh, a primer on the book of James today. We do have a lot that we're going to be covering over these next several weeks from um, what it means to look after the orphan and the widows to what it means to discover what is true wisdom. We're going to talk about favoritism. We're going to talk about trials and perseverance and temptation. We're going to talk about money. Holding your tongue. Holding your tongue. That's going to be the biggest (laughs) one. We're going to talk about what it means to um, hold our tongue, to let go of control of our plans. I mean, there are so many things that we are going to we are going to get stuff. to in the book of James that we cannot wait for. So, Chris, I'm excited to have you. Uh, you're actually going to be back with us um, next week as we kick yeah. off the first eight verses of James. Not kick off, but dig into. And then we're going to have some other guests that help us uh, guide, uh, walk through the book of James over the next couple weeks. But we can't wait to uh, hear from you again oh, as we uh, continue it. the book of James next week. So thanks so much for being here today. Always. Well, friends, thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you not only enjoyed the conversation, but learned a little bit more about the book of James, about the story in the Bible, and about this life of faith that we are living out together. Next week, Chris and I will jump into James chapter 1, where we are going to learn a little bit more about James as the leader of the early church, and we are going to talk about both the good and the hard parts of some things like trials and perseverance and doubt, um, but we'll promise to put an encouraging and uplifting note on that even when we go to the hard places. Um, If you are interested in joining an official small group, I'd invite you to do that by visiting 
www.christchurch.us forward slash women and clicking on the well and you can uh, choose a group that fits your schedule. I'd also invite you to join Christchurch Women on our Facebook page or on Instagram as well as sign up for our text updates by texting the word women to 630-206-3597. Most importantly, no matter where you are listening from today or what you are facing, I pray you find the grace and the courage and the confidence to go deeper still as you live out who you are in Christ today. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you back for our next episode.